Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana, featuring the card accepted by doctors in all 50 states. Information available at bcbsla.com or Twitter, hashtag TopDoctors. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Although we pride ourselves that New Orleans is not like the rest of the country, there is a nationwide trend that we are part of, and that's eating better. Yes, even in the fried food capital of the world, we New Orleanians are becoming more conscious of what we're eating and where it comes from. There's a growing awareness that it's better to eat local. The reasoning being that even if you fry it, Food that is seasonal, fresh, and locally produced is better than something grown a thousand miles away and trucked in. To answer the demand for fresh local food, farmers markets have sprung up, but farmers markets are not open every day. And when they are open, not everybody can get to them. The answer to that problem is an online farmers market called Good Eggs. Tess Monahan from Good Eggs is my lunch guest today. Tess, welcome out to lunch. Hi, thanks for having me. This is a so an online farmer's market, now you, this is, and this concept is not, uh, it's, you have it in New Orleans, but it's a national organization, right? Yes, so I'm here with Good Eggs, and um, the company started in San Francisco about two years ago, and we actually started with a mission. Uh, we didn't know what exactly we were going to do, but the mission was to grow and sustain local food systems. Um, so this company was brought into being by some Silicon Valley tech guys who partnered up with some kind of local food world people to figure out, okay, how can we harness the power of technology to support local farmers and food producers? Because we really believe in what they're doing. And you've doing. done this. this and Good we're, Eggs, we're you are a good it. egg, right? I, I am a good egg. I yes. am a good egg. <laughs> I try. I try. Now, also joining me today is Seth Hempstead. Seth is the co-owner of Cleaver & Company, uh, the kind of old-fashioned butcher shop your grandparents might have gone to. A Cleaver sells only fresh meat from animals raised locally on a healthy diet. Seth, welcome to Out to Lunch. Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, now, Tess, I've got to say, when I was telling people about the show coming up this week, uh, the part that always grabs everyone is the, the delivery part. And it mm-hmm. also seems to be the most kind of a difficult thing to pull off. How do you do it? We are a technology-based company, and so we've, we've really focused on building technology-driven tools to help us become more efficient. So like we use the same route planning software that companies like U, uh, UPS use to plan their routes. So when we do get orders, Speaking oh, thank of you. delivery, we're getting lunch that delivered. That looks this lovely. Uh, so yeah, so we, we use you know advanced route planning software. We use uh, we have a bunch of tools that we've built out internally to help you know get our pack process more efficient and our routing process and it, our delivery process. Is it, is it a, a, a fleet of vans? What is it? Right now, so we do uh, we have a we have one van right now. We're going to get another one in a couple of weeks, and then actually people are using their personal vehicles for home delivery because if you think about how long we pack everything up in insulated sleeves. So like your milk, if you're getting your milk delivered, you don't want it sitting out at room temperature for a while. So we put it in an insulated sleeve to keep it at a, at a safe temperature with a cold pack. Um, but you know, that still, you don't 
don't want that sitting in your car for six hours. So we've, we've kind of done some math and based on how many bags, how many people's orders can fit in people's personal cars and, um, and how many, you know, how long the food can stay out of the fridge before it, we, we figure actually a car can fit the right number of orders. Um, so we have vans that go to our pickup spots and do kind of higher density deliveries. And then we have um, just people's cars that we use for the, the home deliveries mostly. Well, this, is, this is great. Now, Seth, full disclosure, I know you from Tulane when you were a student <laughs> and, uh, and you were very active in the entrepreneurial organizations in the business school. I mean, and so it's no surprise to me that you've started your own business, but yeah, why meat? Uh, the, what turned you into an entrepreneurial butcher? And I don't think that is a term that is used in the industry, by the way. But it's a yeah, not is, too much. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> what, what was it? I mean, your your class always loved you. Everybody would always say, um, "You're not going to believe what Seth is doing." And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a complete, you know, complete right hand turn for me, you know. But uh, now, t background wise, you said yeah. you were actually a chemical. Well, I was a chemist. Yeah, I actually did my bachelor two line in chemistry. And then uh, I moved to Chicago to get my PhD at University of Chicago. Last about two years in that before I decided I wanted to do something completely different. This and was then, completely different. Yeah, completely, well, even before that, I became an economist for eight and a half years. Worked at a small firm that had about three Nobel Prize winners on staff. So, Whoa. It was, yeah, 50 and you people. you were the fourth. Three, you were like yeah, the... yeah, soon to be, hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I was working there and then I decided I was looking, I was working on a milk merger at the time, actually, and I was looking at access to markets, especially like looking at farmers markets and thinking how, um, you know, how hard it is for some people. If, if you're only going on like Saturdays, you know, and it's usually early in the morning, like, and, you know, if you don't get there early enough, they're going to run out of stuff. There has to be a better way to do this. Um, now, dairy wasn't really what I was interested in, but, you know, meat uh, and especially like a full service butcher shop, since you don't see those anymore, you know, people are kind of getting fed up with just going to the grocery store and seeing shrink wrap meat. Uh, so, you know, there's this uh, full service butcher shop and bringing in the locally sourced aspects that kind of started to identify this hole in the market. Uh, and then, you know, went back to Tulane to get kind of reinforce all my skills in order to, to really to flesh it out. Where, where does your meat come from? Uh, so all of our beef right now comes from uh, New Iberia. So it's about two and a half hours away. Uh, Shannon Gonsalon's ranch. It's all uh, grass fed and finished. Our pigs right now are coming from Zachary, Louisiana. So right outside of Baton Rouge. Um, and then our chickens, ducks, all come from the North Shore. Our lambs and goats actually are, are slightly foreign. They come from Mississippi. Um, I'm so but, glad you moved out of the dorm. That would have really been a tough way to <laughs> yeah. operate. There's a, wow. So, and uh, tell me, like, what is the difference if I go to a grocery store and go to the meat section? How is that different from my experience going to your place? Well, you know, first off, what most people notice is they come in and there's, there's no display cases or anything. We have a reach-in cooler for kind of all of our prepared sausages, and we do some uh, prepared foods. But... You know, you don't come in and see the standard display case you would see at an old school butcher shop with all the pre-cut steaks and everything. Instead, we have a list on the wall of all the different cuts we can do. Um, you know, when we get a new cow in, you know, we wipe the board clean so we have everything. And then as we start to run out of things, we scratch it off. But, you know, if you came in looking for a ribeye, we pull out the, the primal and say, okay, this is what we're cutting off right, right now. How thick do you want it? Which end do you want it from? You know, completely full service. And it's, you know, so... It takes some people some time to get used to it, but it, you know, after they get used to it, they're just kind of amazed about all the different things we can do with it. Seth, what was the history? I mean, this was the norm how many years ago? I would actually, 50s, 60s okay. maybe, so it wasn't that long ago. Um, but then, you know, as the grocery stores became larger and, and they started to push out all the little neighborhood markets, because actually the building that Cleaver & Co. is in used to be a neighborhood grocery store. 
think it was the HG uh, Heinz, I think was the name of it. Then next door was the White Star Meat Market. Uh, and then behind that was a sausage factory. And you're over on Barone? Barone Street, by where the old Martin Wine Cellar was. Yeah, uh, basically two blocks behind the Collins Hotel. Wow. And you, were, and you named your, your store after the family and Leave It to Beaver? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what I was kind of hoping. They, uh, wow, that is, that is very, very odd. I've, I've, and, I, and, I, Not your uh, usual uh, career path. No, <laughs> no, but we're very proud of you in the, in the business school. The, uh, and Tess, uh, you've been able to get actually a fair amount of uh, publicity for, um, for Good Eggs. I've read a couple of uh, great little articles oh, about it. Uh, where do you think, um, let me just ask you, because I see the trajectory, and I'm just kind of wondering, where do you think you'll be three, five years from now? How, where can this expand to? Well, what my vision, I mean, we've act, as we've started to grow in New Orleans, we get lots of people, you know, friends and relatives from Lafayette, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, all saying, well, we need this service here. And, my, and actually, a lot of the products that we're selling through the site come from, you know, they're not coming from right in New Orleans itself. They're coming from farms in Lafayette, you know, places like kind of a 200-mile radius from here. And what I'd love to see would be kind of an integrated regional distribution system where it was really easy to shop from local producers, whether they were you know, ranchers or dairies or people making really good locally sourced prepared food, to source that food from all over the region. So if I'm in Lafayette, I can get food from New Orleans and from Lafayette and from the North Shore. And if I'm, in, if I'm on the North Shore, I can get food from New Orleans and Lafayette. And we have a whole kind of integrated regional distribution system would be my, my goal. Um, we'll see. You know, we're starting, starting with New Orleans, building up the variety of products that we offer on the site. And um, building, you know, we're building our customer base, and it's a new concept. It's not something that happened has, you know, is happening currently. So we're so customers are getting used to this idea of, oh, okay, I can order online, and I can really trust these producers. I'm not just ordering, you know, a generic pork chop. I'm ordering a pork chop from Hollywood Limestock in Zachary, Louisiana, who set sources from Steve, too. Who lived right. outside of Lafayette, <laughs> I mean, the right. name of the pig. I don't, I don't okay, need to that, know the name of the pig. Like but Portland I do want to know the right. name of the farmer. You know, I want to yep. know that, like we've, you know, I've Seth. I'm sure you've gone up there too. Like you go, Garrison. And Landry is the the proprietor of Hollywood Livestock, where Seth, where Cleaver and Company and Good Eggs both are sourcing pork, and you know he cares about his animals, he cares about his land in a really meaningful way. Um, and you you know you contrast that to the industrial agricultural system where you don't even want to think where most of the chicken and beef and pork that's out there comes from. You don't you know whether you're a big animal rights activist or you're just kind of baseline human, um, you really don't want to think about, think too much about where that, that stuff comes from. Whereas with this, you know, there, there are no secrets. We're all about transparency. That's yeah, what I'm One of my veal farmers actually would send us pictures of the, the cow every time we got one from her. And it was, she was like, you should put this on Facebook. And he's like, I want to see this picture. Like, I really like it. And if somebody asks, I'm going to show it to them, but I'm not putting this on Facebook. Wow. I'm sure that's a little too much for people. For Especially people. the ones that it's still nursing. It, it was a little too much. But, but you Tess do is, want to know they're not confined yeah. in some terrible well, like, yeah. operation. Yeah, and Garrison, and the other, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were getting these half wild boars from him. And uh, he was like, oh, sorry, I couldn't get you one this week. I've got to give you a, you know, a regular uh, Berkshire. And I was like, oh, what happened? He's like, I couldn't convince it to get into the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the great terms, half wild and baseline human. I'm going to use that all the time. <laughs> Next time I get in a fight with somebody, that's so great. But I'm going to ask you uh, something from our checklist. It's the part of the show where we ask you a question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. And this time I'm going to ask you the, each the same question. Uh, because, because of this topic, I'm going to ask, I'll start with, uh, start with Seth. You can't eat healthy all the time. What do you indulge yourself with when, you, when you're not eating healthy? You ever... Oh, um, that's a good question. Let's see. Um, 
You want me to just say Skittles and we'll move on? Or yeah, no, 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 no. No, no. It's like every once in a while, my wife and I get this craving. It's an it's unreal craving for the you know the hard shell tacos, right? You know, like the old El Paso, you know, with the, the mix. And, uh, you know, we do make it with grass-fed ground beef now and, uh, you know, and better uh, lettuce than iceberg. But, yeah, every once in a while I get this unreal craving for them. If that's the worst thing you do during the week, Seth, yeah. you're, you're going to be <laughs> yeah. fine. I, they, uh, what about yourself, Desmond? Okay, I have a lot of thoughts about this question. One is, like, of course, you know, you don't let me within, you know, a mile of a chocolate cake or I'll eat the whole thing. But here's the thing about the kind of food that you know Seth and I are selling through our businesses in which then we're lucky enough to have around all the time is you can eat red meat and not feel terrible. You know, you eat red meat from Cleaver and Company or from the vendors through Good Eggs and you don't wake up in the middle of the night feeling like, oh, why did I do that to myself? You know, you because it's grass fed, it's leaner meat and it's just not pumped full of, of junk. Um, so, so you can actually eat food that feels more indulgent, and but it feels like you're not really doing something that's bad for your body. That being said, um, Daniel Esses, who's the chef and co-owner of Three Muses, sells homemade pasta and sauces through Good Eggs, and his vodka sauce is insanely addictive. And I will pour that stuff on, on pasta, on meat, on anything. Wow. Any kind of creamy or vodka type sauce is really my undoing. Jeez, they just put sh- um, sherry in our turtle soup here just a few minutes ago, but you've got vodka sauce. Well, this I is... think they cook the vodka out of the vodka sauce, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but it's it's like a tomato-based sauce that's just slightly creamy and little tangy and so, so good. A little spicy. Yeah, I from last week. And it, oh, yeah, it was just, it's oh, this so is phenomenal. good. Isn't he good at making sauce? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to ask you, you both, uh, you both would say that eating these this different kind of meat, the waste bed, that's lived differently, these, these animals, is, you physically feel the difference. Well, it doesn't have corn in it. So corn, like GMO corn, is something that's grown in just crazy abundance in this country to feed you know, industrial ag animals. And it's, humans are not meant to eat that corn. Animals are not meant to eat that corn. It's just, it's not natural for an animal to be fed the kind of things that most meat is fed in this country. So when you eat an animal that's been eating stuff that it's not supposed to eat, which is also something that you wouldn't want to eat, it just, it doesn't sit right with you in the same way. Yeah, yeah it's noticeable. I mean, people were just astounded by how much more red our, our beef is. And it is a little bit leaner. But, um, but yeah, it's higher in omega-3s, which are, you know, the good fats that, you know, you're supposed to eat fish for. And people are just amazed that they can get that from beef. They think it's such an indulgence and such thing, something that's bad for them. It's like, no, it's higher in omega-3s, uh, higher in CLAs, which are good for brain development, you know, all of these things. And, uh, yeah, it's leaner. And, um, yeah, and people are amazed. It, it cooks faster, actually, too. And it's one of the, uh, kind of, you know, it has this really intense beefy flavor. So you eat less yeah. of it. You know, when I always that's get that. That's true, too. Yeah. You, eat, you know, you eat. That, that's true across the board of food, in, you know, local food that's grown and produced with integrity versus food that comes from the industrial agriculture system. It feels so much more satisfying because it is richer in nutrients and it is richer in taste. And so you don't find the need as much to kind of, you know, it's not like you're eating some gross cheeseburger and then you want to eat another one and then yeah. two hours later you're hungry again. Um, it's really satisfying food, both taste-wise and, and nutrition-wise. You know, that's the way I feel when I go on these um, alligator tours when they put the marshmallows in the water. I think, where did alligators <laughs> develop a taste for marshmallows? That, it doesn't make sense. They, it's all not, the marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's time to check the inbox. Our producer picks a question that's come in uh, over the past week from a listener. Uh, Grant, what have you got? Peter, it's interesting. Today we had a lot of questions that are along the same sort of lines. 
So I'm just going to mention a couple of people who sent these in, both on Twitter. One is at Ghost Song, and the other is at Rev Melanie Nola. And both these people and a lot of others, too, were asking us about the cost of these items and are basically saying they're interested in what kind of community outreach you're doing and whether average New Orleanians can afford to buy this sort of food and to eat well as well. It's a, it's a tough one. Um, yeah. it's, it is really tough. Uh, the cost of producing the kind of food that Cleaver and Company or Good Eggs sells is just not comparable to the cost of producing food when you're paying the people who make it below minimum wage, when you're paying migrant workers, you know, a dollar a day to pick to pick vegetables. Yeah, the price is going to be lower. Um, so to a certain extent, you know, we're all the vendors that we work with, we're trying, they have real costs. We're paying, you know, we're making sure they're small business owners. They're not getting rich off this, but they, they have higher costs because they're not, you know, because they're paying their laborers well and they're buying high quality food. So there's certain things where right now, where we are, um, there are economies of scale in big ag that small local food producers don't necessarily or aren't necessarily able to take advantage of. So some things are more expensive. On the other hand, um, if you shop well, you know, you, you shop thoughtfully and you do your comparison shopping. There's certainly certain cuts of meat, certain vegetables where you are able to really find a deal um, that is, is comparable to a grocery store. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, you know, our costs are insane. If you, if you look at what you can even just buy retail from like Winn-Dixie or Rouse's, I pay more per pound for my cow with the bones and everything in it than what you can get ground beef for at Winn-Dixie or Rouse's. And that's because it's, you know, it takes longer for these cows to, to grow up because they're not force-fed and fattened up on corn. Pumped with and, hormones yeah, and pumped antibiotics. Yeah, hormones and everything. They're grown naturally. So it, it's really, you know, it is tough for us to make something, you know, affordable and at this level. But, um, you know, and we constantly advocate to people, too. It's like their portion sizes are a little bit larger than they probably need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody comes in looking, you know, like, oh, I need, you know, I've got, you know, four guys coming over. I want, you know you know, two pound steaks for each of them. And it's like, is this a normal day or is this a, you know, uh, or, you know, and it's I'm like, you know, we're like six, to, yeah, six to eight ounces is really a proper good size portion of protein. Size portion. Yeah, and that's a you, big size. And if you think about like, I don't know if you've yeah. heard Anthony Bourdain, who's always, you know, Anthony Bourdain, yeah. his public persona is very much like vegan bashing, you know, he's a yeah. meat guy. But if you really read and listen to some of the stuff he says, He's traveled extensively in Southeast Asia, for example, where meat is not at the center of the plate. Meat is, is a luxury, it's a seasoning, it's something that you eat in smaller quantities and you fill more of your plate with rice or with vegetables or with you know, sweet potatoes. And so part of it is, is adjusting the way that we as a country think about food and what kind of food we eat and how much food we eat. You look yeah. at the obesity epidemic in this country, people are clearly eating too much cheap ground meat across yeah. the board. Uh, so, not, I mean, this is all to not, not to be insensitive to the fact that there are people in New Orleans and all over the country who don't have a large budget to spend on food. Um, yeah. That is an ongoing challenge. Yeah, and that's one thing. I mean, you know, we, you know, we, we compete with Rouse's and Winn-Dixie, you know, and, and, you know, the thing is we're in a space right now where, you know, one of our customers could go to Rouse's Winn-Dixie if they're really concerned with, you know, with cost. But, you know, that being said, uh, you know, recently came out that, um, Cleaver and Company and St. James and Bellegarde are getting together with a real estate developer in order to put a bid in to take over the St. Rock market and turn it back into a public market. And one of the aspects that we really want to embrace on this is making it an affordable line of food because we are going to be in a neighborhood that has no access to a full you know, grocery store. 
And so there are no affordable options over there, let alone the, the, the higher you know, quality options that, you know, that we currently have. So we're kind of challenging ourselves right now in order to make a more accessible line of food for people with lower incomes. And Seth, what's, where is that on a timeline, that project is? Uh, well, we're still working with the city in order to you know, kind of get a lease from them and everything. But you know, we're, once we get that lined up, we're hoping it'll be about six months. Um, we clearly understand that everyone deserves to eat the kind of food that they could buy you know, from the farmer's market or Cleaver and Company or Good Eggs. But at the same time, our food system, especially in Louisiana, is not at a point yet where it can supply a majority of the population at a reasonable price point. And what, what we hope is that as we create tools that allow local food producers to sell more food and expand their business, that over time there will be economies of scale. Um, over time there will be ways for us to find more affordable options, but it's hard to jump from there is no local meat available in the city of New Orleans to local meat is affordable for everyone in the city of New Orleans overnight. It's a process. And um, I think you know it's really great to see businesses like, you know, like Cleaver and, and Good Eggs and Holly Grove engaging in the conversation. But I just, you know, want people to remember that, like, it's a big challenge and it's really one step at a time. Tess Monahan, Seth Hempstead, uh, we've come to the end of lunch. It's been kind of back to the future today with an online fresh food market and an old fashioned butcher shop. Uh, you're both pioneers on the cutting edge of a nationwide trend backwards uh, towards good old-fashioned local quality products. We wish you the best of luck and we look forward to keeping in touch and um, thank you for joining me on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Guys, it's been, been great. It's uh, My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Tess Monahan from Good Eggs and Seth Hempstead from Cleaver & Company. To find out more about Tess's fresh food and produce market and Seth's whole meat market, Follow the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. The ever zestful Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast, and you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's neworleans.com and www.no.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eris Studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at PreSonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week on Out to Lunch around the table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker and Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC.